Season's greetings? You want season's greetings? Humbug, sirs, humbug, I say. Seriously, thank you, Matt and Tim, for the SLS cast. It always brings me joy each week, and I want to wish you and your families happy holidays and a very happy new year. Thanks, guys. Files. It's time for the SLS cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. And welcome, one and all, to episode 211 of the SLS cast. Yes, and uh, you know. Before I do my, and this would be the episode of, I just want to say Merry Christmas. And with that little bit of Merry Christmas, this would be the California Penal Code robbery section of the SLS cast. Because it turns out that um, in the California Penal Code, the section defining robbery is actually 211. Bonus, it's often paired with 187, the California PC section for murder. And with that wonderful little bit of holiday news, I, of course, am Matt. And coming to us all the way from sunny California this Yuletide season would be our resident Sony employee, Tim. This is starting off to be a very anti-Christmas episode of the SLS cast. <laughs> I I couldn't help myself. I noticed. <laughs> I noticed what do, it was. <laughs> did we do Penile Code One Eight Seven for Episode One Eighty Seven? We did. We did. I just uh, I thought it was uh, funny that here we are um, in the in the Christmas season, talking about Christmas as it were. And uh what should what what should be the fun factoid? <laughs> something very very anti Christmas. Which also not only ties into something we've done before as our little factoid for the show, but also something equally terrible to think about at Christmas, which would be um murder. Now and the thing is though is that it's fitting. <laughs> it's fitting because see, Christmas is kind of a highlight for a lot of people. And so that's kind of like the best of 2016, which is what we'll be talking about. And then, of course, robbery and murder are kind of like the worst things that can happen to people. And that would be like the worst of 2016, which we're also going to cover in terms of the movies we watched for the SLS cast. With a little bit of bonus info thrown in for good measure, just for, you know, maybe things that we watched independently of the show. That was a great workaround to get to what you were needing to say right there. <laughs> so it's Christmas time, and I, I got to ask you: do your do your kids ask you to read them a cute, sweet little Christmas story before they go to bed, all snug and nestled in their sheets on Christmas Eve? Well, actually, uh, Jen has a little holiday tradition that she likes to do. Uh, what she does is she takes, they, they have 
oh gosh, I don't know, 30 or 40 books that are all about Christmas. And they uh, pick at random uh, 24 of them. And um, she then wraps them from largest to largest to smallest and stacks them on top of each other and puts them on top of this little um, basket. And then with a little star on top. So it, it's like a little wrapped Christmas tree. And every day they pull a book off the top and then read that book before they go to bed. Oh. And what? Th- yeah. So that's that's what they do. And then um, I, of course, I'm all about the the big stuff, you know. So we do all – I'm all about – they're helping me doing the tree trimming and we go and get the tree down. So that's that's my side of things. I like to go and do the big event stuff. I take them out to all the Christmas tree lights, all the where the cool lights are and stuff and show them all the cool Christmas houses. And uh, we do the Santa's Wonderland thing. We do the, uh, you know, the, the – tree farm stuff and do the trimming of the tree that's that's my shtick and so jen decided she wanted to do this little book thing with them and so that's what we do and then on christmas eve proper uh we will do one final round of christmas tree i'm sorry christmas lights we'll go generally to like preston wood or something um and then we head over to um what I like to refer to as my in-laws in-laws house and we have a big Christmas party there and then that's it bring the kiddos home tuck them into bed and get ready for Christmas morning how sweet your family sounds fun now can can I join can I come with you can you read me a Christmas Eve story <laughs> sure Tim if that you know if you've been a good boy this year then yes we'll do that for you I don't know, you tell me. I talk to you more than I do anybody else in my damn family. Oh, well, I, as far as I'm concerned, you've been good enough. Well, uh, will, <laughs> will, um, will my California friend be joining you this year? For your uh, she will be joining for New Year's, so she'll be getting in on the 28th. But I, I must say, since you, since your kids grew, I'm sure grew up with the classic Christmas tales, might I add one more Christmas tale to their list of Christmas Eve readings. But of course, please. Please do. Now, apparently, an artificial intelligent robot wrote A Christmas Carol, and according <laughs> to according to avclub.com, that AI's attempt to write A Christmas Carol is absolutely bone-chilling, and I just want to read a little bit of this, because this could scar children if they ever wrote... If they ever read exactly what a computer is thinking in form of a Christmas story. Uh, And I'm just skipping down a paragraph or so where it says, Researchers in Toronto have used a technology called Neural Karaoke to teach a computer to write a song after looking at a photo in the little carol it penned after viewing a festive Christmas tree is an absolutely horrifying display of what these things think of. Whoa. And this is what it says. Why the fuck is there music coming from the hall? Who is out there? And what are they doing? Why will you always be here, singer? These are not lyrics. They are the moans of the damned, trapped between this world and something beyond it, just conscious enough to know they are not at rest. 
Damn, dude. <laughs> the karaoke um... technology first listened to 100 hours of Christmas music to figure out a simple melody to which it then added chords and drums. It then viewed pictures and composes lyrics based on the words associated with those pictures. Then, if you're lucky, it will sing those words to you quietly like phantom children standing directly behind you, part flesh and part void, yearning for only the peaceful oblivion of death, this yuletide. <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> and you can go to avclub.com. Again, this AI's attempt to write a Christmas carol is absolutely bone-chilling. And you can, there's a Vimeo uh, video here where it's an AI singing this, uh, and it's like lots to decorate the room. The Christmas tree is filled with flowers. I swear it is Christmas, and it goes on from there. And when you're just reading it plainly, it's not that creepy, but you have to put it, I guess, more so in context for it it to really come out. Now, I, I think your daughters would love hearing Christmas carols of the damned by artificial intelligence. I'm gonna go with no. I I don't think they would like that um, at 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 all. <laughs> um, yeah, I I I just think that is absolutely crazy. And you said this was an AI that came up with this all by itself, huh? Oh yeah, artificial intelligence, indeed. Okay, that is uh, wow, that is crazy. That that is absolutely crazy. So, um, thank you for you know <laughs> get, providing me with something that will haunt my nightmares and provide fodder for my children's nightmares should they ever grow up and listen to this particular episode. Um, I don't know that you should come over to my house this year for Christmas. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Anyways, no, that's that is definitely fucking crazy. Seriously, uh, anything else crazy ass that you would like to share with us? Uh... I, I don't think so. I, I think we should just bore these people with what we got to say about this past year, uh, the movies we've watched or didn't watch or didn't. Well, you know share what? what okay, I um, uh, this year has been very rough for me with school and um, with you know just just. Stand on top of everything, school, work, family, all this kind of stuff with the show. And we have had just a, just a whole lot of movies that we've had to watch for the show given Oscar season uh, with all of our copycat throwdowns and stuff where we're actually watching movies we hadn't seen before, introducing whole new segments where we're watching movies like, you know, creme de la crap and everything. So why don't you, Mr. I've watched 380 movies this year, so far, so far. So far, so far. We still have time. We still have time. Tell us some of your hidden gems uh, that you wish could have been on the show but just didn't make it due to time. Let's see. Uh, quite a few documentaries. First up is The Wolf Pack. This one was directed by Crystal Mosel. And I gave this one a 3.75 here in my Diary of Flicks. It's the story of these kids who basically grew up in a small New York apartment where they on, the only connection to the outside world they had were each other and movies. And so they grew up 
believing that movies were real life for a period of time. And so their entire lives are shaped around pop culture and Quentin Tarantino movies, for example. And so they act out these movies. And it's very interesting. This woman meets them, interviews them, and then like slowly introduces them to the outside world. Uh, it's very entertaining, very interesting, and, and pretty damn sad when it comes down to it. Again, that one was The Wolfpack. Um, there's this other movie called Trash, Portuguese, Brazil movie, or, or it's, I guess just a Brazilian movie. Um, it's about these kids who are very poor. They live in the slums of Brazil, and they come across, I, I forget exactly what it was, but it was some kind of government chip or USB drive, and all these people are after them and willing to kill these kids in order to get this government property. I gave that one 4.25 out of 5. Highly recommend you guys check out Trash. Another documentary is a really cool one directed by Mark Hartley, and this one is called Electric Boogaloo, The Wild Untold Story of Canon Films. And Canon Films are, are, are known for producing a lot of schlock crap movies. For example, they're the ones that took the well-respected Superman franchise and created Superman Quest for Peace for, you know, on a, on, a, on a shoestring budget and all that jazz. And the two men, I can't remember their names right now, but they were foreign and they thought that they knew what it took to make a great movie and they considered all their movies great and that they weren't the ones fucking them up. But really, they were. And it's just a fascinating, fun documentary. I gave that one five out of five do definitely check out Electric Boogaloo, the un- the wild untold story of Canon Films. Let's see, I also watched Chirac or Chirac. I think it's well, no, Chirac. I forget. It's the it's a, a Spike Lee movie about uh, violence in Chicago. I rewatched two great Michael Mann movies. Uh, of course, these are older films, not newer ones, but they are worth mentioning because you guys got to check these out. They recently, at least one of them, Manhunter, which is the Red Dragon, the original Red Dragon movie, pretty much, that came out in 1986. It recently got a re-release on Shout Factory Blu-ray, and it's a beautiful Blu-ray, great special features, and the movie is stellar. Uh, Thief has James Caan in it, a great heist type of movie with uh, true human characteristic repercussions by the end. Let's see here, I've got pages and pages uh, let's see, another documentary, The Red Army. This one's about Russia's hockey team during the 1970s and 80s who were considered the best hockey team of all time. And it was kind of a play on, or the team itself was kind of a, a play on the uh, Soviet Union, on communism in general, because as this team was disintegrating and tearing tearing each other apart from within, so was the Soviet Union and communism. And it's a very incredibly fascinating documentary. Again, check it out. Red Army. Jared Hess's latest film, Other Than Masterminds, was a little movie called Don Verdian. This was kind of a letdown for me because I'm a big fan. I like Napoleon Dynamite. I like Nacho Libre, and I'm one of the few people that actually enjoyed Gentleman Broncos, and Jared Hess wrote and directed all these. Well, he came out with one called Don Verdian, where it's about Sam Rockwell's guy. I think he's like, he's an artifact finder, and 
I guess his celebrity is going down in the dumps. So he makes up a lie saying that he can find this ancient relic that belonged to Jesus Christ, or it proved that the Bible was real or something like that. And in doing so, he becomes famous, but slowly people begin to realize that he is a fraud and he's trying to cover it up. And it sounds like an ingenious idea, a very funny story, especially with Jared Hess's direction and type of humor that he likes to capture on screen with these characters, that the movie just kind of falls apart once the main premise comes and goes. It just fizzles out completely. But it's still an entertaining movie for what it is. I gave it a 2.75 out of 5. I, I don't know, maybe if you get really high you might like it, but it just might get boring and a waste of a good high. I've talked about Everybody Wants on Richard Linkletter's spirited sequel to Boyhood and uh, mainly, I guess, a sequel to Days and Confused about the college kids who played baseball in the 80s and their camaraderie living in a frat house during the first couple days leading up to the first day of school. Very fascinating. Another documentary about Lemmy Kilmeister. Watch this one because he passed away this past December. I loved it. It's on Netflix currently. Definitely worth a check out. Another movie that I saw, we didn't uh, cover it, but it was a total letdown. It, the reason why it's a letdown because I was looking forward to seeing it because I'm a big fan of Tom Hiddleston. And this film is called I Saw the Light. And he plays country superstar Oh, shit. And, of course, the name of the guy completely... Hank Williams Sr.? There you go. He played Hank Williams. And from the clips that I've seen, the the, the music that I've heard of Tom Hiddleston actually singing, it was spot on. He was a great Hank Williams. But then you watch the movie, and it's an absolute bore. Yeah, it doesn't work as a musical drama. It doesn't work as a biographical drama. It just doesn't work. But if you're a big fan of Tom Hiddleston, do check out the soundtrack. I think it's worth comparing him to real Hank Williams. Let's see here. I don't want to. I just want to mention a couple, a few more. Um, a new movie that came out this past year that I really liked. It was written, directed, and starred Don Cheadle. It's entitled Miles Ahead, and it is about Miles Davis. He plays Miles Davis, and uh, Ewan McGregor is in this movie as well. It's an absolutely fascinating film. I gave this one 3.75 out of 5. It's both an acting and directing achievement for Don Cheadle. The movie basically covers... Miles Davis's early career in the 50s and his pre-reemergence in the late 70s, primarily focusing on the latter during his battles with Columbia, in which the label desperately wanted Miles to release a comeback album. But instead of the film playing out chronologically, there are just multiple flashbacks that happen throughout the more interesting and better performed glimpses into the singer's coked-out hangout with Ewan McGregor's Dave Braden. And I just wanted to see more of that without the interjection of the flashbacks. But it's still a good movie. Do check out Miles Ahead. Two more, because of time. Another documentary. I mean, guys, whenever I'm not reviewing stuff for this show, I try to watch as many documentaries as I can because there are so many great ones out there. There's a documentary about Paul Newman's racing life. It's called Winning the Racing Life of Paul Newman. This is actually directed by Adam Carolla, the Adam Carolla. And it's an absolute pleasure to watch this film. 
it's just fascinating. His passion wasn't movies, it wasn't acting, but it was racing cars. And it was just wonderful seeing that side of Paul Newman where he was his truest, his happiest, which was behind the wheel. And it basically chronicles up to the, to his death when he was driving up until he died, pretty much. And it's just a beautiful film. Please watch it, Winning the Racing Life of Paul Newman. And then finally, I'm going to mention two films that completely let me down. One of them being Keanu, the one directed by, written and directed by Key and Peele from Key and Peele. Yeah, I mean, if you've seen it, you either loved it or you didn't. I did not. That was the one about the cat who, I, I guess, gets taken by some thugs and Keen Peel are trying to find their cat. So they go on this like all-nighter chase trying to find the cat. But the movie just like mixes all these genres and it just really doesn't find its own footing and become its own type of movie. It's just a little too all over the place. But then there's the last movie I want to mention is called Mascots. And it is the latest David Guest mockumentary film. This is a Netflix original, and uh, it came out, uh, I guess, like a month and a half ago, and it's about professional mascotting. It, it's a hilarious concept. And to be fair, the movie has some hilarious ideas. But I, I just don't think, I don't know why, but Netflix makes really bad original movies. Not all of them, but most of them are pretty goddamn awful. Like, I don't know if Netflix, if Ted Sarandos has too much control, or if the directors have too much control, or if one of them doesn't have enough control. I have no idea. But the movie just falls flat. Somebody needed to rein the film in and be more of a producer and actually craft this film, make it into something that wasn't all over the place and and too broad. It doesn't have the nuances that David Guest's other films have. Actually, all of his other films have. It's just another Netflix original film that they just kind of produced, put out there in a short period of time, and just hoped that maybe a couple hundred thousand people will watch it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's tons of more I have that we haven't covered on the show, but uh, those were just a few that I wanted to mention. Well, I thought Christopher Guest did okay for Mascots. It was pretty good. I, th- I thought his character was funny. His character was funny. All right. Well, that is definitely one uh, not even exhaustive list that could be considered exhaustive. You watch a lot of movies, dude. <laughs> Like well, hey, I, I I gotta know, I gotta prove that I know my stuff. So this is true. This is true. Okay, so do we want to go to uh, the best of or the worst of first? I, you know, let's let's save the best for last. All right, we will go to our worst of list. Okay, so I am going to do these um, in terms of um, like these are my bottom ten. Okay, and they're going to go from craptastic to the ultimate in zero fucking star. See, so we're going to go that way. Uh, No movie on this list scored higher than a two. Uh, And I'm double checking here. Uh, Yeah, only one of these movies is a two. Everything else is a 1.75 or less. Um, So... Kindergarten Cop 2 <laughs> starts off my list. Uh, Dolph Lundgren, oh, God bless him. It's just, like, he's 
He's a smart guy. Like, legitimately. Like, dude is like, fucking got a doctorate and shit. I mean, he's not stupid. And yet, he can't seem to figure out that he's not a good actor. I, I'm not sure what's happening here. Uh, you know, everybody's got their faults, I suppose. Um, so yeah, he, he asked Schwarzenegger, Hey, are you going to do this movie? Cause if you're not going to do this movie, I'd like to do the movie. And Schwarzenegger wisely went, are you really? Are you serious? No, no, I'm not going to know what? No. And so he, yeah, so he did it. This movie is bad. Don't watch it. it takes place in Seattle. It's kind of pretty. Um, oh wait, hang on. No, oh, I started on the wrong tab, motherfucker. No, Kindergarten Cop is like towards the end of the list. Knight of Cups. There you go. That's the two-star movie. This was the 20, uh, it was a movie that came out in 2015, but we actually did not watch it uh, until this year. We actually watched it around uh, March of this year. And um, it's the one where... It's uh, it takes place in eight different chapters. Uh, it stars Christian Bale, Kate Blanchett, and Natalie Portman. It's a guy who is like a screenwriter in Hollywood, is all fucked up and you know jaded and all that kind of shit. It's a weird movie. Uh, wasn't really all that good. Uh, then we go to Fantastic Planet, 1973's Fantastic Planet. Um, and this was one that was uh put on the list there by by Tim. Uh, we, we did this, um, for our 420 episode, uh, which was actually episode 176 this year. Um, it was just a little too out there for me. I gave this one a 1.75. You know, it's people who are in another world and these blue people who like, you know, it's basically kind of like the reverse imperialistic idea and you're supposed to feel bad for the people who are being taken advantage of, et cetera, et cetera. It was just a little too weird for me. Was not down. Next up, of course, is August's uh, episode 192, Suicide Squad. <sighs> just, I, I, I appreciate what they were trying to do. It's just a pretty shitty movie. Um, don't need to say much more than that. And then, of course, the movie that Tim was so looking forward to being good. Skip Trace. Yes, Skip Trace from episode 197 back in September of this year. Um, I actually liked it twice as much as Tim did. <laughs> but um, it's, uh, yeah. It just is not, it's really just not a good movie. I, I gave it points for things that it was trying to do right, but yeah, it's a pretty shitty movie. Uh, then of course, the disappointment that was Zoolander 2. This one is a one and a half star rated movie for me. Um, I was just really, really disappointed. Uh, you could call this even a letdown for me. I, I wanted so desperately to like it. Um, didn't really have faith that it was going to be great. And then, yeah, it was a complete letdown. Um, and proof positive as to why you should not revisit franchises from 15 years ago. Uh, moving into the top five of the worst movies from this year. Um, you're going to find a recurring theme here. <laughs> Because three of the top five are from the Friday the 13th franchise. Uh, Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, episode 201. Um, this was a 1.25 movie for me. It just um, really, really, really didn't need to be made. 
um, especially coming off of the final chapter. And, you know, it was just a bad idea to do this movie. And then the way they executed it made it even worse. Uh, then we move into the number four spot, which is, of course, Independence Day Resurgence, episode 186. Remember those movies I said, you know, 15, 20 years don't, don't make, uh, sequels? Again, same thing. It was just, just not good. It, it really was not good. Uh, Tim liked it a little bit more than I did. I just absolutely, I just hate this movie. It's just such a, it's such a bad movie all the way around. Didn't need, this didn't need to happen at all. Then finally, yes, number three, Kindergarten Cop 2. This is also a one-star movie. Um, avoid at all costs. And the last two movies on my list for the worst movies, um, are both zero fucking star movies friday the 13th part 8 jason takes manhattan or jason take jason rides a boat or the the sewer child or whatever and then jason goes uh jason x rather sorry jason x jason in space that uh yeah just fucking terrible ass movie that's it those are the worst of the worst for me for this year. All right, so j- just as a heads up, I didn't even include any of the Friday the 13th movies on my list because it, it might be too many of them, honestly. And, and, and it's too <laughs> soon, too soon, too soon for me to even think about those. First up for me is James Bobin's Disney's Alice Through the Looking Glass. I gave that a 2 out of 5. Kindergarten Cup 2 with a 1 star... Ooh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. I don't have nearly as many as you do, I don't think. Uh, Jason Bourne, that was a 1.75 out of 5 movie for me. I mean, I yeah, that movie pissed me off. We got, we went through every single James, J- James Bourne, Jason Bourne movie, expecting this one was going to be great, and it was not. Skip Trace, I gave this piece of shit movie... 0.5 out of 5. A lot was said about this movie, and I highly recommend you going back to episode 197 and listening to our review, because you will understand why I don't want to go in-depth with any of these movies, because they just bring back horrible, horrible memories. And I've kind of deleted it out of my mind vault. Isn't that what Sherlock has in that show Sherlock? A mind vault or mind library or something? And then, I think this is my last one. Other than 1986's Babes in Toyland, I give that one a one. But my final film film that we reviewed that I gave at least a two-star two was Jack Reacher Never Go Back. That movie really didn't do nothing for me. It's just Jack Reacher keep running, and by God, does he keep running past the camera and to my knowledge i think that's pretty much it i'm 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 sure i'm missing a handful but i'll just go with those few okay um now we're going to the best of uh, again i've got 10 more picks here for you these are basically just the top 10 movies of the year for me uh and i am going again from uh this will be from the uh in this particular aspect, we're going to go from the lowest score to the highest score because I don't have anything less than a 4.5 on 
this list. Uh, starting with, let's see here, try to make sure we got this here. Uh, episode 186, we have The Lobster, the, uh, the dystopian comedy drama film that starred Colin Farrell and Rachel Weiss as people who were disaffected from their relationships and have basically 30 days to find love or die. <laughs> um, I just really, really thought this was a great movie and um, was definitely glad that I got a chance to watch it, especially when you think about how weird the premise is. You would think that you would not like going into something like this. Uh, we then, of course, did <clears throat> uh, Only Yesterday was the next one. Uh, this was the 1991 film that is the Japanese uh film it's basically it takes place in 1982 uh and then the, there's a young woman who is unmarried and she kind of goes back to her childhood in the 60s and it kind of relates to you know then versus now and you know cycle of life all that kind of stuff very 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 moving um that was from episode 172 also a 4.5 movie for me Definitely want to watch that. Um, and then we move into some excellent territory here, the 4.75s. Um, I found, for me, this was really, really, really hard to rank. And so... Um, uh, but I, I think I'm... I, 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 am, I believe I'm pleased with how this has turned out. Um, the Hateful Eight. Now, granted... I got to do this as an experience with my dad at Christmas last year. Um, so naturally, we didn't actually cover this until January of this year. But as it counts as an episode uh, from this year, I'm going to go ahead and throw it in anyway. This was back in episode 162. Um, just an absolutely phenomenal one-room drama, which is not something you would expect necessarily uh, from Quentin Tarantino. But I was absolutely floored by this movie. It was fantastic. It does have a couple of flaws, clearly, because it didn't get a five. But um, such such a great movie. Loved the roadshow experience. And I have since watched it uh, two or three other times this year. Um, so it's got that rewatchability factor for me as well. You want to check that out. And keeping with our Western themes of the 4.75s, we also have... Uh, 2016's The Magnificent Seven from episode 199 back in September. Uh, I'm just, I mean, you know, this is still pretty fresh on the brain for most people. I just absolutely thought this, uh, was a truly unique remake in that it hits the points uh, in the, uh, the highlights of the original, but definitely made it its own and was just a ton of fun to watch. Uh, it does not replace the original, but um, does bring 2016 sensibilities to it. It's a fantastic movie. Absolutely love it. If you haven't already, check it out. Uh, and then we leave uh, the 4.75s. This is the last 4.75 that I've got to talk about. Hell or High Water. The 2016 film, again, just from a few, um, just from a few months ago, episode 197. Um, the Bank Heist movie stars Jeff Bridges, Chris Pine, and Ben Foster, along with Gil Birmingham as well. Um, brothers who are desperate to save their farm go to extraordinary lengths to do so. Um, just a great movie. 
excellently acted, fantastic film all the way around. I think you would you would do well to enjoy it. Um, moving into the five star movies. Um, okay. Uh, I all right. This was another really really hard one for me to work out, but I did it. It's fine. I made it. I made it happen. Um, all right. So from episode 166, five star movies, uh, winter on fire, Ukraine's fight for freedom. Again, this was something we covered back early, early in the year. Um, it's a wonderful documentary, uh, from Netflix and basically it chronicles how Ukraine, uh, kind of got a, a form of its own independence, uh, from a movement that was, in some ways, very nonviolent, thoroughly confrontational, but in, in, in ways surprising, not truly violent. There was violence. I'm not trying to say there wasn't any. Um, and there are some scary, intense moments throughout, but man, it's just impressive to see what these people did coming together. Uh, you got to check it out. It's a fantastic movie. Also from the first part of this year, The Revenant. Come on, how could you forget this movie? I mean, this is one of those movies where the cinematography itself is worth watching. And then it's got great performances by Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy, uh, as well as good, uh, as well as good supporting, uh, moments there from Domhnall Gleeson. It's, you know, God, just such a great movie. I know it gets a lot of, uh, jokes and flack for, uh, you know, bear rape and all that kind of stuff, but, um, it's, just just yeah it's a good movie to revisit a very good movie to revisit um next of course most and pretty recently uh hacksaw ridge the biographical war film of course this was just six weeks ago from episode 205 and i absolutely just love this movie can't say enough good things about it and um I, I find the story moving, and I find it well worth watching um, and watching over and over again. The number two movie, just from like a week or so ago, 209, Moana. Yes. Um, I know it's fresh, so I'm not going to rehash it. Phenomenal movie. One, clearly one of the greatest movies of the year for me. Not the greatest movie of the year for me. Um, but well, well worth the amazingness that is Moana. Go see it. Finally, the number one movie of the year for me, The Little Prince. 2015's The Little Prince, however, uh, it didn't come out in the States as initially as, as was originally planned and instead got a release on Netflix uh, back, uh, back this summer. And uh, we covered this in episode 192 back in August. And... Ah, oh, jeez, just everything about this film is just perfectly timed, excellently casted, wonderfully voiced. The imagery is just beautiful. Uh, the story it's telling is phenomenal. It's moving and, and legitimately so. I felt that at the end of the day, this was the five-star movie that spoke the most to me, and I am so glad to have seen it and look forward to watching it again and sharing it with my kids over and over and over again. And that closes out 2016 for me, guys. Bring us home, Tim.
All right, bear with me. I'm not as structured as Matt was with going in order. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit more all over the place, but I'm going to stick with the fours being my favorites. But for a couple 4.25s at the beginning of the year, those two being the Big Short and the Revenant. Let's see. I got a 4.5 here with Embrace of the Serpent. This one I was really pulling for to win the best foreign language film, but it didn't make it. It's a fantastic little film. I highly, I, I was lucky enough to catch a cool screening of it, and one of the actors gave a really neat Q&A, and the movie is deserved to be watched. It is absolutely enchanting and beautiful. Please check out Embrace of the Serpent. Again, that was a 4.5 star movie for me. It's funny because I'm I'm going through all these right now and I'm kind of surprised what I rated certain things 3.75s and not not fours, like The Witch, for example. Another 4.5 here, Eye in the Sky, Alan Rickman's last film of a wonderful movie, a very timely film as well. Not, I mean, it's political, but it's definitely more of a dramatic film in a tense thriller than it is trying to be in your face all about politics um it, i say that but in the back of my head it's it, i know it's totally a big political film but the movie is just crafted so well that it, it's just a great tense thriller and you got to check it out if you haven't already again eye in the sky 4.5 out of 5 that's directed by gavin hood let's see we got we reviewed hush for episode 181 uh, that's a four-star movie for me. That was about the deaf woman alone in the house, and there's somebody terrorizing her. There's a masked man coming after her, and she's trying to outsmart him in one way or another. Uh, a super low budget, but it was a great home invasion film, so do check out Hush. The Nice Guys, that was a 4.5 out of 5 star movie for me. That was the great Shane Black movie with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling set in the 70s. And they were the the two really goofy detectives that only worked well together, but not by themselves. <laughs> At least that was the case for one of them. I'll say that for the, the Nice Guys, I rated that 4.25 and I almost bumped a 4.5 movie to put, that, <laughs> to put it on the list. Um, but I, I just didn't feel right about bumping something that I rated higher. Uh, so I'm glad I'm glad you included it. So Yeah, no, no, of course. And, and again, I, I'm glad I gave it a 4.25 because I watched it a second time and I still wouldn't change the movie. I went to go see it again at the movie theater. I mean, I'd probably enjoy it more watching it now, but it's definitely a movie you cannot watch multiple times in a row, at least I think. Two more 4.25s out of 5s, Roller Boogie. We covered that in 192, directed by Mark Lester. It's the great movie about roller disco that we watched for Creme de la Crap. I loved it. It's such a great, campy, summer, L.A., Venice Beach movie. There's nothing not to like about it. Um, and then we also have The Little Prince, the movie that Matt loves. I gave it a 4.25 out of 5. It's still a great film. Kubo and the, Tr and the Two Strings, that's the latest Lycia movie directed by Travis Knight. That was a 4.25 out of 5 star film as well. Imperium, the skinhead movie starring Daniel Radcliffe where he was the undercover cop infiltrating the skinhead organization in uh, you know, whatever town or district it was. Very good film. I gave that one 4 stars. Don't Breathe, uh, no, Don't Breathe was 3.75. Almost a 4 though. 
Hell or High Water was a 4.75 out of 5 movie for me as well. Again, probably my favorite film of the year is Hell or High Water. Excellent movie. If you have not, do yourself a favor and please go and see this. Let's see, we reviewed the original Blair Witch Project movie and Sully, uh, one for 198, the other one for 199. I gave both of those four stars. Bram Stoker's Dracula and Eyes Without a Face both reviewed for 203, and I gave Eyes Without a Face 4.25, and or no, I gave Bram Stoker's Dracula 4.25, and Eyes Without a Face 4.5. And let's see if I can find any more newer movies. Oh, Deepwater Horizon, the latest Peter Berg movie. That was a 4.5 out of 5 flick. And Werner Herzog's documentary, Into the Inferno, about volcanoes. That was another 4.5 out of 5 movie for me as well. Then lastly, the last 4 point whatever movie I've rated this year is... We just covered it. Jeff Nichols's Loving from episode 210. What a beautiful movie. Do go and see it. So... Those are my picks for my favorites of 2016. All right. Well, I think we did it, Tim. We, we, we made it. We, we have successfully managed to bring the Christmas season and the best and worst of 2016 and Undiscovered Gems uh, to the masses. Because no Christmas is complete without our Christmas episode, right? I mean, people look forward to our episode so they can go on and live a happy and merry life. That's right. Into the many, new year. many, many person do uh, listen to look forward to our show. <laughs> oh man! Well, I will say this: I am definitely thankful for uh, you know having a good friend and co-host to do this with and um, looking forward to the recuperation and, and and getting to spend some actual time with you when you get down here and uh, or get over here as it were. And uh, in the meantime, we hope that uh, all of y'all have a wonderful and Merry Christmas as well. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Didn't see you there. How's it going? Johnny White Trash. From the Johnny White Trash show. Oh, this? It's just, it's just my vape. There's nothing illegal about it. And there is no wacky tobacco or any kind of derivative in there. Because, children, it's not legal in Canada yet. But soon! But soon. But that's not why we're here, are we? We're here to talk about Christmas movies. Because that is what we're here to do, right? Makes sense, right? Follow my logic for a second, if you will. Uh, my good friends, Matt and Tim, you know, uh, they, they do a movie podcast, which you're listening to now. And it's Christmas because Christmas and here we are. Now, everybody wants to always say, you know, it's Christmas time I watch cool Christmas movies, you know? Sometimes they go with the manly approach. Like, uh, I watch Christmas movies like Batman Returns and Die Hard. Some action movies, right? Some people do that. Some people take the goofy approach, you know? Some people are like, 
I like watching movies like, well, you know, you know, movies like, like goofy ones, like, uh, like jingle all the way or Ernest saves Christmas. He even got some diehards, some diehards, you know, who are like, I watch the classics on Christmas. I watch Rudolph the red nosed reindeer. I watch it's a wonderful life. I watch the sound of music. I gotta, I just gotta ask. Maybe, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but at my house, for some reason, every year we watched the sound of music at Christmas time. But to me, it did not seem like a Christmas movie, like white Christmas. That is a Christmas movie. I almost, I almost started this piece with the, um, I'm dreaming of, uh, and do the white trash Christmas gimmick gag, whatever you want to call it till I realized I think I've already done that. I think I've already done that on this show. Maybe you might have to go back, check previous Christmas episodes, see what's up. But anyway, yeah, no. Um, so every year uh, I end up watching Sound of Music and I still don't know how to solve a problem like Maria. Oh, yeah, I went there. Anyway, folks, I just want to say maybe this year, you know, maybe, maybe I mean, I, I, I've got mine. I watch every year about Christmas. You know, I watch I watch Bad Santa because uh, I like drinking and I don't like people. Um, I watch Home Alone usually because that uh, movie is funny as fuck. But this year, I, would, I hope you join me. This year, I think we should watch The Grinch Stole Christmas. How The Grinch Stole Christmas, isn't it? Isn't the official title How The Grinch Stole Christmas? But I'm not talking about the Jim Carrey. I just about said Drew Carey one. Wouldn't that be funny? Could you imagine Drew Carey? Drew Carey as the fucking Grinch. That would be funny. But no, not the Jim Carrey one. Let's go back and watch the old school animated fucking. I swear there there's no weed in this. This is not weed. Or illegal mind altering substances of any kind. I'm not even dipped into the eggnog this year. However, my phone just went off and you know the rules. If your phone goes off during a recording, you cannot edit it out. That goes against the rules. The rules are you now owe everybody an eggnog. So if you find yourself up here in Canada, stop on by. Have an eggnog. I've even got a bit of rum we could put in it. Blackest rum on the market right now. Just sitting there because I quit drinking. Kinda. And we could watch... The old school classic, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, because I don't know, there it's funny and all this, yeah, yeah, but there's something about, there's something about the, the there, there's a lesson in this uh, movie that seems to be lost, and uh, in today's overly commercialized uh, Christmas setting, you know, where people are arguing about Christmas and holidays and Xmas and all of that. You know, sometimes you can just remember that the Who's, the Who's were still singing. You know what I mean? 
I don't know. There's something about that when he comes out, you know, and he's gonna and he's sitting there, you know, and he says, "That's a noise." Grin the Grinch. That I simply must hear. He's talking about the sadness. So he paused. And the Grinch put his hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low. Then it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so. But it was merry. Very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages and boxes or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. So that's all I'm saying, folks. Maybe, maybe this year is the year we just chill out. You know, you know, there might not be peace on earth. There might not be goodwill to all men and who cares about that. But for right now, let's just chill out. Let's just keep singing. Because Christmas is something you don't buy in a store. I have no transition to get out of this. Please check out johnnywhitetrash.com. The home of the Johnny White Trash Show. Merry Christmas, Matt. Merry Christmas, Tim. Merry Christmas, everyone who's listening to the SLS cast. And I guess, shall we go ahead and do a spiel? Let's, you know, make it somewhat official. Spiel on. Alright, well the music you've been listening to as always has been brought to us by our music partners Cries of Solace. You can check them out at ReverbNation.com and Facebook.com both slash Cries of Solace. As for us, we are of course the SLS Cast. You can find us at SLScast.com You can send us an email to the show at SLScast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can follow me, this is Matt on Twitter at NitTwit12345 You can also climb aboard that information superhighway and track down Tim on Twitter if that's your heart's desire. Don't forget you can always subscribe to us on iTunes favorite us on Stitcher Radio and of course look us up on the old SoundCloud. So until next week, this is Matt saying that thanks to Alan Thick, I get to say this. There are psychological repercussions to illness and we need a little more help to get through the effects not only on the afflicted but on the family. And I think there's even a place for humor in that. Take care cinephiles and we'll talk at you again next week and have a merry, merry little AI Christmas.
Thanks again for listening to the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. You can find us over at slscast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can send us an email to the show at slscast.com. And of course, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>